Good morning, church. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Thank you for the special music. I didn't have to twist his arm for that, but I had to use my influence. I said, would you? He kind of was reluctant first to sing, and I said, if I ask you, would you do it for me, a favor? And uh, I think he could not refuse me. And uh, I'll try to use more that influence or good, I hope, in his life. And uh, I didn't manipulate him. I just said, hey, you know, do it for me. And uh, I'm proud that he did. I think he did a good job. And. I'll try to influence more to use that talent that God gave him. It looks like uh, he got all the music. I don't have none of the talents about singing, just congregational, but even that. I have to keep my voice also. I won't be heard when I go off the tooth. I, I decide to talk about what can we do in the life we are living now, the so-called new normal. Actually, uh, I'd like to address a little bit the, the issue of the words that are part of the propaganda we see now portrayed in the world. And the propaganda is when you use words that have it's basically a lie that it's repeated that we accept it. They call it the new normal. But is it normal to go to the store and have certain things? Talk through the plexiglass, stay six feet. Is that normal or is it normal? They call it normal. It's a new normal, but it's not normal. God created us different. Normal human beings interact with one another. They talk face to face. and It's not normal. They should have called it the new abnormal or was the opposite of normal. But there is a propaganda there. As fast as last, I just checked yesterday, uh, there are over 600,000 deaths of because of the virus. Actually, I should have not used the propaganda. I should have said there are only 600,000 deaths because, you know, they should have been more careful about making all these wild predictions. They said in the United States will be 2 million deaths or so on. Therefore, we have to do certain things. But so far in the whole world, there are only about 600,000 deaths. So the numbers don't show up the narrative. I mean, I don't want to say there is not suffering and a virus going on, but it's maybe not as bad as they try to portray. And I will say maybe there is a time that they will let us live our life and enjoy life. I wouldn't enjoy being a kid nowadays, going to school or not being able to go and swim, travel, have vacation. I mean, with the adults, we work and die. But kids, there are so many limited things now. We were supposed to travel to Europe, (laughs) Uh, but everything was canceled. And even if we will have 
gone there would have been very tough. They have harsher measures, lockdowns, and quarantine 14 days when you travel. You go to church. Even when you preach, you have to wear a mask. It's, uh, it's another normal. Abnormal, I'll call it. But uh, my, uh, my talk will be about what can we do nowadays to do our work of telling people about the good news and about the soon coming of Christ. And how can we uh, be effective in doing that when uh, it seems like nowadays <laughs> it's more to have contact and talk with people. They call it social distance, but actually it's anti-social <laughs> distancing because it gets us farther apart and not to talk and, and uh, just being afraid that you are going to kill me and so forth. I like to look a little bit at, the, at, at one of the spiritual aspects about sometimes it's very hard to go against the current. And uh, I look at the spiritual aspect of uh, one of the very controversial subjects. Some people label with certain activity to being like Christ and caring about others. But they go all this maybe on the false premise that is propaganda on the news. I'm talking about wearing something to protect your breathing so you won't get somebody else. And here is what the pastor wrote about being like Christ. And uh, the, the question he asked is, what would Jesus, Jesus do right now? He will wear a fast mask, the pastor said. Jesus would wear a mask because wearing a mask is an act of love. God sees how you wear a mask to protect not only your family, but other families too. God sees how you feel the hot, sticky condensation on your face and endure it so that others may survive this pandemic. When you wear a mask, you are protecting not only the elderly, but children, immunocompromised people, those with serious pre-existing conditions. And he goes on and, and says that, uh, and basically equals being a Christian to wearing a mask. The only question is, what if you don't wear it? Are you a Christian still or not? It's something that we should ponder about. Or how would you treat somebody that maybe you think is not acting like Christ? And that's what is very sad because I think this pastor that wrote this, he's twisting the scriptures and goes from false premises that maybe are not so. I know something. When If Christ would have been here, he would have not exactly, if you know, wearing a mask or not is effective. And second, I believe he will give freedom to people to choose what's good and right. I think that's his, his spirit is. And not enforce something on people. He, uh, you know, the Bible says that the spirit of Christ is the spirit of liberty. 
And I believe he will not violate that. And especially when the dates are confusing. They are, I mean, some people try to say that it's a, it's a settled science. That's not true. Because if you do a research, there are certain things that say, you know, the mask doesn't really protect you. They are saying, I mean, I'm not going to bring, it's not my, it just make you think about things, you know. They are reporting there, people did research, and they find actually it doesn't offer protection in, in certain uh, condition. And uh, some people say that, you know, for airborne illnesses, the mask will not protect you. But the idea is what I'm talking here, it's about Christian freedom. We should be let make our own individual decision based on the facts and, and not be labeled and turn one against others. But the sad part is, you know, there's a few minority that goes against it. They are very much persecuted. And I like to say, you know, uh, when we have our conviction, we have to be careful about people that believe different and let freedom of conviction and a, a, a different of opinion and do what they want. The only thing is the government is working now to coerce everybody to behave in a certain way. And that's no good. Because we know in the end it's going to go and get through the, the last act in the drama to try to force religion on people. And we see now the government goes and violates most of our basic freedoms. And, uh, of course, there is this excuse that is for safety and for peoples. And uh, the idea is uh, we live in a different life. The government, in my own opinion, should have come and said, hey, you know, we listened to these experts. We made a mistake. It's not as bad. Let's go back to normal. But, no, things are not getting back to normal. They talk about opening schools and make all these rules. I mean, let the kids, you know, enjoy life because there is no danger for them. And there is not one study that shows that the disease was buried by kids or grandma was uh, kind of infected because of the kids. There is not uh, anything showing anything. But on the other hand, it's a good because, you know, for us it made us more think about if I should let my kids go to school or homeschool them. And uh, we still have to make the decision about that. And uh, it's very uh, tough sometimes as a parent to know what's best because, you know, uh, the kids need social life. They have to interact one with another. But my question is, how is that social life now in school? Some people posted a video about, you know, just obeying government mandate. That's not going to be socialized for kids. They won't be able to touch one another and play together. They will be kept uh, six feet apart and eat in certain spots. And it's, uh, it's, it's hard kind of breaking to see what kind of life we live and uh, I, f I think for me the bottom life is the foundation that we build about sickness and disease was wrong in the beginning when they said that, you know, uh, the cause of our disease, all the diseases is, uh, is a virus. 
so-called uh, the germ theory. And of course, it is some truth in that, but there was another theory that says virus will strive and only if the terrain promotes growth. And basically, we cannot keep viruses out, but we can do something to make sure our body will not promote and welcome the germs. But that's another story, another kind of hint to our hell message. But we know the world declared wars, war on virus, and they declare a war that they cannot win. Show me one chemical that will protect 100%. No, because, you know, no company wanted to be liable because they know. So basically they declare a war again that they cannot win and uh, we support the consequences. Who knows, maybe uh, that might be uh, what we believe will be the final events. And there are many uh, signs showing that we are close to. So I'm trying to look at here how can we do our work of telling people and... Uh, preparing them for what's coming. Because nowadays, people don't talk to you that much. <laughs> it's very hard to approach kind of strange. I mean, like uh, the people that used to go door to door to do uh, kind of uh, their activities, now they, they, they don't go because, you know, people are very reluctant. Talking with people on the stores, also, no, hey, six feet away. They run over, if you know, if you get within four feet, they are already looking, uh-oh, danger. And uh, so my take is, uh, what can we do in this life, in, in this reality we live in? I look at, and there is a, I will say, I will call that what the, the Bible says, it's uh, the silent witness. And that's the example in our lives that should be uh, something that everybody can, uh, can see and basically will help somebody to uh, realize uh, about the truth and the power of God of changing lives. And I think that's what uh, will be our witness in the end time because we know in the end time, we, because don't go with the grain and just follow the rules of the government that they will impose, we will be labeled as the troublemakers and bringing all this confusion on the world because of us and not obeying the laws of the government will pass. And then many people that will know us, they will know that we are charged falsely, hopefully, because our lives will demonstrate we are not the bad people, but we are a Christian and try to follow Christ the best uh, we can. And so I'm just trying to, uh, to look at one of the Bible examples about a witness and maybe learn some story, something from this story when uh, somebody had the very opportunity to be a witness for God, but he failed. And uh, maybe learn something from his failure. I'm talking here about the Hezekiah when he was sick and was healed, and some people came to inquire of him about what happened. Uh, this is recorded in the Bible in three places. Uh, there is two chapters in Isaiah that talks about Hezekiah's sickness and healing, 
Isaiah 38 and 39, in 2 Kings chapter 20, and in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. And uh, I look, uh, I won't read there. I'll try to uh, make it with my own words to explain what happened. As you know, uh, the king got sick. And it looks like uh, the sickness was very serious and was going to die. And of course, it was uh, even more heartbreaking when the prophet says, hey, God says, you will die. Just get, set your, uh, you know, your house in order. And uh, he prayed unto God, and uh, God looked down and answered his prayer and added 15 years to his life. And uh, in the process, uh, God had even performed a miracle to confirm that, you know, what he said, he will live another 15 years. And uh, I'll read from Isaiah 38, actually, verses 78, where it says about the miracle God will perform. And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees which is gone down in the sun dial of Ahaz, ten, ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees, by which degrees it was gone down. So basically, uh, what happened is, uh, just to talk in scientific terms, you know, when the sun goes on the horizon goes from the east to the west and for a certain time it travels the other way the opposite from the west to the east basically you know the rotation of the earth because that's what caused the impression of the sun the, the earth starts rotating different the opposite way for a certain time uh, actually, uh, some people try to calculate. They say about 40 minutes it happened. The, the earth rotated the opposite way. Of course, I mean, uh, honestly, uh, it's curious to know if you could have observed that in real life, if it would have been impaired. The, the, you know, now we are, we are kind of aware of, not aware that the earth is rotating, but if we'll have start the opposite, if you will have noticed something different. But what we do know is that uh, the Babylonians, they had some, actually Ellen White called them astronomers. Those were scientists that were observing the sun, and they saw, hey, this is what's happening. It's something, uh, you know, uh, miraculous. It, it, it has never happened in the history. And uh, the word came out that, you know, was the God of the Israel had performed that miracle. And so they decided to send some people to the king to find out what happened. It's, the, it's just the, the uh, example from, I mean, the story from the Bible. The sad uh, part is that, uh, and uh, we'll read from Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-two, verses twenty-four 
to 31. When those people came to the, the king as a test of his, he failed and uh, he did not give God the glory. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 32 verses 24 to 31 is recorded. But uh, uh, I'll just, actually we'll read that all. In those days Hezekiah was sick to the death and prayed unto the Lord that he spake unto him and he gave him a sign. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So the wrath of God of the Lord came not upon uh, them in the days of Hezekiah. So basically when those uh, ambassadors came, he didn't point to God and his goodness and his mercy and basically gave them a witness about the true God and maybe send them back with a book of the, you know, of the scripture and help the Babylonian to have a knowledge about God. No, he uh, he felt, and uh, he uh, the Bible says that uh, his heart was lifted up, and the Bible says that uh, you know he showed them all his riches and all that he got, and basically, uh, I don't know if he mentioned anything about God and the miracle that God performed. Uh, it's uh, it's sad. It's a sad story. Because up to that point, uh, Hezekiah was a very faithful king. He did all the, I mean, Ellen White says that from all the kings down from David, he was the one most faithful, trying to reform and change and bring people back to God. And uh, he fell in that test. Actually, the Bible says that God tried to, uh, to see what's in his heart, and he fell. Of course, afterward he repented of, but what happened, the, the influence of his action had the result, and those could not be changed. You know, the Babylonians were kind of uh, missing a true rep, uh, you know, record about God, and basically uh, they kept on doing what they were doing, and actually they came and they overtook uh, uh, Israel and took them captive will have been different if he will have given a different testimony. Uh, it might have been. Uh, because uh, maybe uh, God could have worked mightily for that nation to, make, uh, to, uh, to know him. I'd like to read here uh, a little bit about uh, Ellen White and what she says about the influence of our little deeds and our testimony with others. And she has here two points, basically from uh, this experience. Uh, she makes two kind of uh, comparison. When you do something evil, the consequences of the evil influence and the impact, and when you do something good and the good consequences of doing good. Uh, it's just the two paragraphs from the, the, the chapter it calls the ambassadors from Babylon. 
And uh, she says here about the, the influence of evil upon others. Every day of life is frightened with responsibilities we much, which we must bear. Every day our words and acts are making impression upon those with whom we associate. How great the need that we set a watch upon our lips and God carefully guards carefully our steps. One reckless movement, one imprudent step, and the surging waves of some strong temptation may sweep a soul into the downward path. We cannot gather up the thoughts we have planned in human minds. If they have been evil, we might have set in motion a train of circumstances a tide of evil which we are powerless to stay. On the other positive way, on the other hand, if by our example we aid others in the development of good principles, we give them power to do good. In their turn, they exert the same beneficial influence over others. Thus, hundreds and thousands are helped by our unconscious influence. The true follower of Christ strengthens the good purposes of all with whom he comes in contact. Before an unbelieving, sin-loving world, he reveals the power of God's grace and the perfection of his character. So she said the, the beneficial influence and unconscious influence. So we are not necessarily aware that we influence people for good. But if we do the right thing, we will influence them and say that uh, hundreds and thousands will be influenced by our little deeds. So how careful we should be about all that we do. And this principle, it's talked about by Paul in our scripture reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It talks there about uh, he uh, and the work that he did, and then he makes some points about what proof he has that, uh, you know, he does a a good work. And uh, he talks in in chapter 2 about being a savior, of life unto life or death unto death. And then he, uh, in chapter 3, says that, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we, as some others, epistle of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? And here is the verse that we read. Here are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. So here Paul talks, I don't have to prove my calling to be a disciple and an apostle. He said, you are my proof, and uh, it's known and read by all men. I'll say it's it's a sovereign thought to be a proof of God's power and of his uh, gospel. And I will say that's what uh, the world needs. Our 
witness, our unspoken witness about God's power to change life, that are known and read of all men. Known. What do you mean known? I mean, if you go and um, let's say, you know, uh, if you ask an unbeliever person, you go on there, and you ask them about what they think about Christians, they have a pretty fair idea. For example, if you talk about dress, you know, that has a witness in the world who's, the way you dress, it bears a witness, I think, uh, you know, uh, about our standards and our, you know, uh, moral principles. And if you take, for example, some people in the world and show them two pictures, Somebody, you know, wore like, you know, like you see on the, almost all the magazines dressed and what a Christian should dress. And you show to an un, kind of unreligious person, I think uh, 95% of the people will have no problem to point, you know, how a Christian should dress. The higher problem is with some Christians that don't know how to dress. And being confused about that, and I think uh, that's something that uh, it is not a power, powerful kind of influence about the truth and the power of Christ to change us. So Paul says that you are uh, epistles known and read of all men. What do you mean read? You know, you like it or not, we draw conclusion when we see people. <laughs> I know one time I was working in some part, and. Uh, actually was on the main road, and somebody came to me and said, hey, I would like to hire you. I see you are a hard worker and that, and I say, how do you know? How am I? Oh, I observe you working here for this week, and uh, I want you to hire me. And I said, wow. And uh, you like it or not, we are observed by other people. And uh, most of the people know how a Christian should act. My question is, does our action match up our beliefs? And I think that's what we should be careful and should be a very uh, much concerned because, you know, it's not that much as what we said, it's but what we do. And here are some my, my questions about some of the action that we do and might be bear a witness. Let's suppose somebody will come and get your computer. And go in the history there and see where you spend your time. What did you watch? What did you read? What did you do? Will that match up a Christian that has principle and no, I'm not going to, you know, spend my time uh, watching the, you know, uh, all the vanity of the world? Or will that be a a, a witness for the truth? Yeah, this uh, person has a high standard. If they'll come in your, in your house and look, what kind of books does he read? Will that be a witness? Honestly, I went to people's house and, you know, just after I went 30 seconds, I could say, this person is a Christian or spiritual or not. Many times I did some work in some kind of poor neighborhood and uh, I had to go in the basement. But, you know, usually when you enter in the basement, you go to the kitchen. And then just going through the kitchen and going, I could have said, hey, this is 
person is spiritual, and I can talk to him, and, uh, you know, because the house, actually, I saw Adventists, I could, I saw the, uh, the Sabbath school corally there, I said, oh, those are Adventists. I saw Bibles there, and I saw, and uh, you, you like it or not, it's a witness for you. That's why we are, we as Christians are counseled to be hospitable. You know, you just bring your people in your house and you show what you are, and hopefully they will match up. They will see, hey, this person is different, but hey, look at his life. Look at the books that he reads. Look at what is in his house. Look how he spent time. It's a witness for you and for truth. And I think that's what we should be hopefully more open to do it, even that now it's harder because, you know, uh, the, the new normal, so-called abnormal. And, uh, but I think we still can invite people over to our house. Many, some will refuse, but then. But that's a very powerful witness that we are not aware. You might not say something, but it's just being you and showing your house, and hopefully the way you are matches up everything and it shows this person is a, you know is transparent as he seems to be and that's going to be a witness that not many people will be able to to resist so my uh, my advice is try to be and open up and bring people in your house you don't necessarily have to like I do you know let's talk about I will convince about truth and there are not many people that want to, you know, find out true, but there are some other influences that can set up a train of, and people be influenced toward the good. Maybe, you know, uh, they just see you are different. And when you see you maybe arrested and being, you know, they'll say, hey, that person is not a criminal. He's a good person. I know him. And many people will be converted because of our un- uh, uh, aware witness. And I think that's what is most important nowadays at the times we live. Many times we fail and we don't act like Christ. But even then, you can repent and show and redeem kind of your faults. Hey, you know, I did something wrong. That's not what a Christian should act. And that will be a, also will be turned around and be a powerful witness for the truth. So I'll say, let's be aware of this influence that we can have. When you go in the store and people are so afraid and so ready to jump on, what's the spirit that you bring? I know uh, it's very tough sometimes, you know, those spirits try to get you and... Uh, I just pray and hope that we will be controlled by the Holy Spirit and we will be a witness about. You know, like the fruits of the Spirit. I mean, the fruits of the Spirit and also the the beatitude. Are you a peacemaker person? You know, when there is... You try to, you know, get people, hey, you know, to do good and that. When you are insulted, how do you react? When your self-reputation <laughs> and uh, how do you react? That's a witness that we should be aware. And another witness is, what do you speak about God and how do you speak? Or what do you do for God? That's a very powerful one. 
When you are supposed to do something in the church, how do you do it? It's your witness about God being a good Lord, or He is a, you know, a ruler that God. And the way we do sometimes, it sounds like, hey, well, I have to do something with church. You know, I have to do this. No, you don't have to. You are called to and you are have the privilege of doing it. God doesn't force anybody. Christ doesn't use force. No, he just draws people by cords of love. So what's your witness about? I, I have people say, oh, oh, you don't drink alcohol. Your church doesn't allow you to. <laughs> say, no, 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 hey, no, it's not that. Say, my church allows me to do whatever I want. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's my choice. I don't choose. I don't want to. I mean, our church doesn't come and check my refrigerator, what I have in. I mean, Christ doesn't give that to the church. I mean, the church is supposed to tell you, hey, don't drink that or drink the other. It's supposed to tell you and enforce that, but enforce it in a way, you know, it's sure the Bible says so. But we will not go around people's house and force them and to obey. Actually, you know how it is. When you force people to obey, it's not really a big. Like that, gent- that boy that, you know, his father made him stand up. But he said, hey, in my mind, I still sit down. <laughs> so force doesn't work. And God doesn't use force. And uh, uh, it's just the government. And that's why the government should be restricted because the only way of making people to do it, he, he uses force. And uh, we see now more and more of that, and uh, uh, that's why it's good when the government is limited and not mingle in your life. One of the hardest things is to believe that the government should not mingle in our health and let us have our own private choice about what's good for us and just make sure, you know, nobody is deceived by all those whacks and that promote all kind of stuff. But uh, our choice, hey, you know, let's face it, we are selfish, but hey, you know, I want to make good, wise decision about what's good for my, you know, and uh, not the government come and force it on you. If I don't believe it, let me alone. You know, maybe the Holy Spirit will help me come around. You know, they talk about forced vaccines now. Is that good? The thing is, they say they start experimenting a new vaccine, but they have problem to get the volunteers to go to experience it if it's safe to put it on the market because, hey, they have a bad track record. There were so many vaccines that they were introduced and caused harm. It's not conspiracy. It's a fact. That's why they have to be very careful. But they have a hard time now finding. I said, hey, I have a solution for that. Let's get those people that promote those vaccines. Go there and show us by example. Get Bill Gates there. Show us. And I'll come. And let me wait about 30 days to make sure nothing happened to you. But, hey, you know, it's easy as a leader. Hey, uh, let's get that. But not me or my family. Let's get those doctors that promote it. Go and, and prove it. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll be second, in, I mean, last in line there to get, <laughs> to make sure no people drop off too many. But the idea is freedom in Christ. And that's what we see now more and more. 
That's why, and we know in the end time we will be pointed like, like the troublemakers. That's why our witness, even when you are that way, that's going to be a powerful influence. When people will come and tell all the others, if you act like Christ, it's going to be a witness that, and it's very hard not to respond harshly when they come with all kind of false accusation and all that. But I think the Holy Spirit will help us for that. And may the Lord help us to see about this influence that we are not aware. And maybe use it more. Mingle with people. Get into challenges. Repent if you did wrong when the Holy Spirit tells you. And I think that uh, the time we are living, I think that's one of the tools we have. We can do a little bit trying to use the media and the internet, posting and sending to people. My experience with that is that uh, there's so much stuff there. And even if you send somebody a link with the truth, they just stumble over, raise up, and go around. But on the other hand, you don't know how will that react. And it might bring a train of change in people's life. Uh, may the Lord help us to be uh, those sweet savers of life unto life that the Christians were in the, in the time of Paul. And uh, there is something that, you know, Paul in his writing, he says that uh, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all mass, of all men. And he said, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with link, ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tablets of the heart. I'll say, be transparent. Hopefully you don't have something to hide. Uh, and if you do, turn around. But let's be the epistles that the world needs. And uh, I think that's what uh, the world is uh, it's perishing because uh, there's much talk but no show. And let the, whole, the Lord help us to be those living epistles, known and read by all men. And that will be an influence, especially the people that know us. You know, your relatives, they'll say, hey, you know, they throw him in jail, that guy, you know, he, he, he won't kill a, a fly. He was, he, you, beat, he, you hit him in the face and he will just not react back and start fighting. He will maybe just try to defend and say, hey, why do you hit me without cause? But he won't just jump into a fight. Hopefully that will be our witness. For the truth, and uh, many of our relatives will see that our religion—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, uh, powerful to change lives. May the Lord help us to do that through His glory. Amen.